I think different people have different ideas of what an incident is. You chat to some nursing staff and they'd be like, oh, I think you should report this. And, <laughs> and we'd be like, oh, really? I really wouldn't. And I think it's those small things that you feel at the time actually is probably a very minor thing, but actually that's something that can be changed. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Making the Difference podcast from BMJ Quality. I'm Harriet Vickers, once again bringing you ideas and projects from the world of quality improvement. This time I'm looking at incident reporting, why it's important and how to improve it in your hospital. And I've got a really nice, neat example of someone who's done this coming up. But before we get to that, I invited Jen Perry into the studio. She's BMJ's resident quality expert and I wanted her to tell me all the what's, why's and how's of incident reporting. So hi Jen, thanks for coming in and agreeing to fill us in on all things incident reporting. That's nice to be here. So yeah, let's start with the the basics. What is an incident? What actually counts as one? So a patient safety incident is any unintended or unexpected incident which could have or did lead to harm for one or more patients receiving healthcare. And how, how common do these tend to be? So they are very common. More than 10,000 serious incidents are reported to NHS England out of a total of 1.4 million, mostly low harm or no harm incidents annually. And there were 338 recorded never events during 2013. And a a never event is an event that should never happen. Right, okay. So it might be, for example, using the wrong site when doing surgery. Okay, chopping off the wrong leg, something like that. Yes. Okay. And um, I mean, that and the things like uh, drug errors would be, I guess, the things that would pop to people's minds. But what are the, could you give us some other examples that are maybe a bit less obvious? Um, So there is a a type of incident called a near miss. And this is any incident that could have led to harm, but did not, either by chance or through a timely intervention. So I can give one from my own personal experience. So when I was working as a foundation doctor, there were two patients on the ward in which I worked, which had very similar sounding names. And when I went to take blood off both of them, I got their details mixed up. And it meant that one of the patients had a low haemoglobin. And so I ordered a blood transfusion for them. And essentially it was for the wrong patient. Luckily, this was caught by the nurse in charge in time. Mm. So it meant that no harm came to the patient. But that is a near miss and something that does need to be reported and learnt from so that it doesn't happen again. And so how? what's the process that actually makes that happen then? What, what happens to the data once it's submitted? So when a patient safety incident happens, uh, clinical staff will make a confidential online report via their local reporting systems. And the system that's commonly used in NHS services is Datix. Once this report has been made, there's usually an investigation process. And in a good local investigation, you would expect to get a good description of what happened have an investigation into the root causes, so understanding why the incident happened. You'd want things to be put right and for the provider to make it clear what learning has taken place to prevent the same thing from happening again. Across the country, there are uh, lots of organisations that do local investigations very well. 
However, there are some organisations where there is room for improvement, mainly because the process for investigating incidents is very complicated or it takes too long or there is a preoccupation with blame. Okay, so there's definitely things that people can do to, to, to make this better where they work. Indeed. And I think the, the other thing to say is that the reports from the clinical incident reports in England and Wales are then actually fed into a larger database called the National Reporting and Learning System. And clinicians and safety experts analyse these reports to identify common risks and opportunities to improve patient safety. They then can provide healthcare organisations with feedback and guidance to improve safety. Okay, this isn't just going to improve things in your hospital, it's, it's going nationwide, it's going bigger than that. Basically, yes. Great. And I've, I mean, I've been asking you to, to dig around in all of this this week. What, what for you were the bits that really stuck in your head? What do you think people should, the key messages that people should take away about incident reporting? So I, I think the key messages are that it's everyone's responsibility. GMC guidance describes how doctors have a duty to protect their patients and they advise that doctors take prompt action if they think that patient safety, dignity or comfort is or may be seriously compromised and they advise doctors to follow the local procedures where they work for reporting near misses and incidents but they also have guidance on how to raise concerns beyond this so if you're not satisfied by the outcome of, of your kind of local reporting system. I think another key uh, message is that doctors really must promote and encourage a culture that allows all staff to raise concerns openly and safely. And actually discussions around patient safety incidents and complaints form part of doctors' annual appraisals. And that's a key part of securing revalidation and a continuation of their licence to practice. Oh, OK. So it's not not at all as though, you know, by reporting stuff you're going to get in trouble. It's actually as though it's going to help your career. Exactly, yes. I, I think they are very keen to promote this kind of culture of learning in the NHS. And I think there's there's another important aspect of this to mention, and that is the duty of candor. So since November 2014, there's been a statutory requirement for the NHS to inform patients or their families when there has been an incident that is suspected to have caused or may lead to harm. And this is called the duty of candor. Brilliant. And uh, yeah, one last question for you, Jen. This is obviously a podcast about quality improvement. So do you think incident reporting is something that people really should be, you know, it should be in their kind of top 10 things to think about when they're, they're wondering about doing quality improvement projects? Yes, I think definitely. In recent years, there's been an increased focus on reporting incidents, patient safety and learning from mistakes. And we've all heard of the various reports over the past few years. And all these reports said that really we need to be focused on patient safety, adapting a learning culture within our organisations and improving quality. So I would certainly encourage all junior doctors to go out and do a project on improving incident reporting. (laughs) And by podcast magic, here's an example of a project which made a big difference to the confidence of junior doctors in reporting incidents and also raised the number that they reported. 
It was led by Emily Hotton when she was an F1 at Royal United Hospital Bath. I spoke to her a couple of weeks ago over the phone about the project. Nationally, rates of incident reporting amongst junior doctors are low, and at Bath they were only averaging two a month, despite having about 60-odd junior docs at the hospital. Here's Emily on why. When you start as a junior doctor, especially my personal experience, when you start as a junior doctor, you, your brain is full of so much stuff yeah. that's not really relevant to, well, not really involved in instant reporting. And actually, you're wanting to know how do you discharge a patient, how do you admit them, what blood tests do I need to do, how do I even order the blood tests. Um, you start the job being kind of bamboozled with information. And I think it's something that, it's not in your medical school curriculum, and it wasn't in mine. And I could say I've definitely never, ever seen an incident report in my life until I started work, and then still I kind of actively sought out to do one. It's something you kind of know happens, but mm. you didn't really feel, I think, and personally, we didn't really feel that it was something that was kind of in your top ten things to do on a daily basis to kind of be aware of. And so... I think you hear, we heard nursing stuff all the time, oh, I'm going to instant report that, or that should be an instant report. And they kind of freely talk about it and do it in their part of their kind of day-to-day activity. And I think it just became kind of apparent to me that actually I don't really do this and I don't really know what it is. And that kind of then led to the, the beginning of the project, really. Is is there that that kind of almost that shame about around it as well, that people just don't want to admit to to having done something wrong is there still that feeling or is it just more that people don't think about it no I think I honestly think and we did a lot of work around this at the time is it's not to do with fault and blame and guilt and actually it's a a issue of firstly not realizing what should be reported right um, and secondly not knowing how to report it and thirdly feeling like you don't have the time to report it Wow, um, okay. And I think the the NHS and definitely the hospitals I've worked in have done a lot of work at providing this kind of blameless culture and actually it's not what who was at fault from doing something, but actually why did that happen and what systems should be changed to improve it. Um so I mean your intervention it's pretty straightforward really. Um Simple. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So just uh, you know, seeing what people knew already, how confident they were. I'm gonna jump in here to explain this further. All the junior docs in the hospital were asked to fill in a questionnaire to find out how much they knew about incident reporting and how to do it. Then the doctors were given tutorials on the reporting tool the hospital uses and were also told what happens to that data, how it's used and the impacts that it could have. The other side of the strategy was an incident reporting week where all the F1s and F2s were encouraged to report on a range of topics. These were picked for being areas of particularly high risk there were venous thromboembolism assessment and prescription errors, any issues with communication and anything around warfarin prescribing. And the project made a difference. When they asked the doctors to fill in the questionnaire again after the week, they were in general much more confident about reporting incidents. 6% were confident before and 55 after. And the number of reports increased too, from an average of 2 a month to 16 a month. But why did they focus on just a week? For there to be a change, or for there to be um, a change in culture or a change in your habits, I think you have to have some kind of big, kind of higher impact situation. So we wanted to go with kind of the short, sharp, punchy kind of 
this is this is a week. This is what we want you to focus on, but report anything else, please. But you know, these yeah. are some ideas of things that you can report. You have a week, and then you can kind of send a couple of reminders in that week without being too irritating to <laughs> getting all these emails through. Yeah, and just to see what happens, and then to report back to them kind of straight away afterwards, not a few months later, not six months down the line when they've even forgotten what instant you know reporting is. Is mm. a week later, these are the results. You guys have kind of you know, doubled or over doubled your reporting in a week, you know, look of what you've done and what can be done. And, and I think that probably has a higher impact, I mean, personally, on kind of grabbing their attention and actually trying to not fully change their mindset because that's done over a long time, but actually to yeah. make them think. Yeah, yeah. And did, did anything could it come out of that week? Did you have any changes that were that were made because of, you know, instant reports that have been made? It's hard say on kind of that from that short period of time I think the Datex team looked at kind of over the kind of year when the junior doctors then were reporting more to kind of see if there was any correlation I think what the the actual project did is basically highlighted the areas where we knew things were being reported it we tended to just report more of them rather than there be any new areas but I guess that also the bigger bigger impact was reassuring junior doctors that they can report telling them how to report and actually making them aware of what should be reported okay and I think although necessarily that might not change things immediately that will have a massive impact on their career as they go through and did you have what kind of feedback did you have from from the junior docs that you were working with a lot of them found it was uh, kind of reassuring to know what they can do and found it helpful to know actually how to prescribe because a lot of people didn't even know where to where to go on the kind of hospital system to actually be able to do that and a lot of them said you know this is kind of so you kind of get more empowered to be able to feel that it's okay to bring up things that are small but significant to a patient the mm. hardest bit of the bit that found people a barrier to reporting was the system and the kind of clunkiness of it and the fact it would take a good 20 minutes at least. We didn't ever time it kind of officially, but, you know, at least 20 minutes to fill in an instant report. And when you've got a junior work doctor working 12 hours when they're not supposed to be there for 12 hours, then to say, oh, we've also got three reports to do at the end of the day, yeah, that was the hardest bit. Okay, yeah, again, just time, isn't it? Time, <laughs> yeah. I was really intrigued to see if the project is still going and how it's doing. So I had a chat with Leslie Jordan. She's a consultant at Bath who works on patient safety. She told me that they've repeated the reporting week, but actually expanded it to the whole trust instead of just the junior doctors. The trust was once flagged as having low rates of reporting, but they're not anymore as the levels have been bumped up. And the increased reporting helped with patient safety by giving them more data on medicine management problems so a small project that was done two years ago has prompted change that is still expanding and developing. Not bad. If you want, you can take a look at Emily's full report. Follow the link on this episode's SoundCloud page or just look it up. It's called Improving Instant Reporting Amongst Junior Doctors. That's the end of this episode. I hope we've made instant reporting clearer or got you to think about it. If we haven't, let me know. Any feedback would be good to hear. You can get me on hvickers at bmj.com. We've got another few episodes in the pipeline, 
ones on improving prescription of generics, and also a big, broad look at what quality improvement in healthcare actually means. Back soon.